0: Welcome to Sober Heroes. So, this week we have Olivia, and this is starting off the third series as well. So, welcome, Olivia. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you. I think everyone was getting bored of me doing males only for about (laughs) 15 episodes. So, it's nice to have the female's opinion on um, and your uh, story as well. So, I'll just pass it over to you. Usual conversation, people will hopefully relate um, and then reach out get help if they need it and yeah, yeah I'll, I'll
1: just chip in with questions as as we go along cool um yeah so i'm olivia i've been sober for it was a year last friday so just over a year um i basically i decided to i decided that my best shot at happiness meant that i had to give up alcohol and drugs because it was a huge i mean a huge kind of vice in um for my pain and this time last year I was in rehab um, and I kind of had the realization that if I wanted to be happy I'd need to learn how to deal with like my past traumas and my current pain in ways that weren't I mean like physically and mentally destructive. Um, I went through a lot of trauma in 2019 which kind of led to my like excessive uh drinking and blacking out and that just kind of spiraled and it led me to a place where I kind of decided that I wanted to end my life but I it's hard because I I didn't want to die I just the reality I was living I wasn't happy with and so the like the one way I could change that and you know make a choice that was under my control was to go sober so that's kind of why I chose to do it and um I mean being sober is great just because it it changes your life in so many ways it creates new challenges but um they're definitely challenges I'm kind of willing to undergo because they're not as painful as my life was when I wasn't sober
0: and that and that's a beautiful thing for it so just how, how old are you if you don't mind me asking it's always no no, no don't worry
1: <laughs> um good question I'm 22 but I'm 23 in two weeks <laughs>
0: oh very nice um, I, I don't remember those days I was about to say I do but I definitely don't <laughs> I was pissed for my whole 20s So, and that is, it's a good thing as well because I think a lot of the people on podcasts are generally over 30 that I have um, Really?
1: Actually, yeah, you know, I've listened to quite a few of them and it's nice how you've got like a, an age range
0: Yeah, and I think it's just people giving up alcohol younger like your generation seem to be a bit more conscious from the things that I've read about around alcohol. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what. what is your take on your generation in terms of their the, the common idea of what alcohol is in university, for example, like the drinking culture?
1: I think the thing is, is that like, I think our generation is definitely becoming more aware of like the effects that it can have on um, one another. But like so much, all the kind of drinking and the drug culture is it's so normalised at uni that you know people don't realise that what they're doing can actually be really damaging. And if you already suffer, I mean, the thing is, everyone has like a, a mental health of their own, and I don't think people. I think people are beginning to realise the after effects drugs and alcohol can have on that. Um, and I think now, kind of as like a collective energy, people are realising that you know these things when they're not in moderation can really really damage you um so i think i think the awareness is kind of spreading and people are beginning to to realize that like a lot of people um i mean at the end of the day alcohol is a depressant and in too much it can you know really damage how one thinks and i think people are beginning to realize that they're not like alone in this and that if people talk and kind of share their experiences um a new positive attitude can be changed towards how people think of going sober
0: yeah and i, th- I think that's the one thing i noticed more i'm going to say your generation because it is your generation i'm 34 <laughs> so i'm out of that um but they seem to be a lot more conscious and i think instagram as well uh is a lot more conscious in the terms of the different groups you've got um a yeah. bit more vocal like the sober community for example there is an actual community of people that don't drink that can talk to each other and give each other advice
1: it's interesting Uh, because i i don't know how it took me so long to find it but like i i'm only really recently discovering all these kind of sober influences um on instagram and it's amazing because there's actually so much out there and like i honestly only discovered it probably at the end of August, I was at work one day, um, and then I, your podcast came up, and I started listening, and then I realised that actually a lot of these people, you know, have big social media followings. Um, so it was quite nice to know that like there are so many people out there doing this for countless reasons.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I think that uh, some. So I'm from an addiction background. Like I quite happily say I'm an addict. um Even sober, I still have addictive tendencies. Like
1: oh, me too, for sure.
0: Um, and I, I'm happy with that. Like I know there's a stigma if I say to someone, "I played golf today," for example, and the guy that I'm talking with is, "Oh, what do the junkies say on your show?" And I'm like, mm, "All right, <laughs> don't be an asshole." Jesus. <laughs> but but that that is the perception that people have. Um, so when I say I'm an addict, then I'm I'm expecting a certain level of naivety from people. Um, yeah,
1: that's that took me a long a long time to understand because for so long. I didn't fully comprehend that I was an addict because I thought that to be an addict, you had to wake up and have vodka in your cereal. Um, And I didn't realize that it it meant so much more. So I almost, I think because of like the shame element that comes with saying you're an addict, I just looked for like other explanations of a lot of my kind of like inner battles. But throughout like this year, with my like therapy, my reading and just my recovery in general, I've come to realise that like, there are a lot of people out there that have brain structured like mine.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Me, um, me, me like, included. I'm not alone. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. Once you understand it, you don't have to go around saying I'm an addict. Um, exactly. it's, it's only within community that we do it to try and help other people. But, um, it's a good thing to have addictive tendencies for positive things. Um, exactly. So addiction isn't all bad at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just the way that people see that. And I think the sober community is at different spectrums of it. I think the way that drinking's changed. So I think it's gone from that sort of alcoholic that drinks every day to the binge drinkers at the weekend.
1: I was a big one of those.
0: The session, as you said earlier. Um, <laughs> And that that was the same with me. Like I only ever drank at the weekends. And that sort of was my justification for saying that I didn't have a problem.
1: me too. Because I was like, oh, it's fine because I'm not doing it every day.
0: Yeah, and that's like that saying, that exact saying you just said is what was being said by groups of people at my age when we're all going out and stuff. But the, the actual thing was that I'd get blackout drunk or I'd get loads of gear in. I wouldn't have any sleep. I wouldn't then do anything to better myself for eight years because I was always hung over. Um, yeah. And then there's no wonder that I was suicidal with probably four years of not sleeping properly. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, so in in terms of your upbringing then, just to give people mm-hmm. a bit of a picture, what what was your upbringing like?
1: What was my upbringing like? So I was very lucky in a sense that I I always had a roof over my head and I had a mother that was so incredibly... I mean she effectively was, she wasn't a single parent but she did operate by herself a lot just because my father wasn't very present um, in my childhood but I had a a very loving, well, loving in the kind of, in the respect that I had. I had two siblings, I, had, I have a twin brother and a younger sister and I mean our siblings are if i, I mean I, if i didn't have them i don 't know where i'd be because they i mean they were i think the only reason I kind of got through um my teenage years but i'd say that my upbringing was you know fairly um fairly bog standard i've grown up in London, both my parents are actually from Canada, but they emigrated here maybe twenty five years ago um but i I went to school in London and then when I was let's say eleven, I went to boarding school, which at the time was definitely a good thing for me because it meant that I didn't have to be at home because there was a lot of let's just say interesting uh, interesting things going on. So I was at boarding school for seven years, which meant I was basically able to kind of run away from all my problems for as long as I wanted because I could pick and choose when I went home um, and then after boarding school, I took a gap year and I went to South America for five and a half months, which um, it was very fun. I had a great time, but in the long run, it probably wasn't the best thing for my body. Um, but I.
0: <laughs> so I, do, 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 do do you wanna sort of elaborate on that a bit? Just so uh, were you just um, out boozing in South America and part and drugs as well. Let's be honest. I can't go to South America. Yeah. Bam. So.
1: At the beginning, at the beginning of South America, I really thought that, you know, when I was there, I'd kind of invest my energy equally into going and seeing sites and, you know, getting to know the culture and partying, obviously, but in like drips and drabs. I didn't fully comprehend how much, you know, we would be. I mean, the whole thing, it was a five month, uh, yeah, a five month crazy fest of just going absolutely batshit crazy in in a fun sense yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but i mean i can only i can only say this now because at the time i've none of us fully realized but like the danger we were putting ourselves in i initially was with a group of five girls and just being a girl that anyway is so dangerous but like the states that we would Get in oh god I, we're just so lucky that we came back in one piece because we definitely exposed ourselves to a lot of a lot of dodgy dodgy things um I'm talking
0: yeah. gang lords in uh, Colombia
1: <laughs> yeah, and I just like obviously drugs are so readily available there that it it is just part it was part of our experience a lot, and I think a lot of people go there. they do not realize just how much i maybe because it's readily available i'm not quite sure why it's such uh so big when you go out there but um
0: so do you think that was the sort of start of your addictive tendencies or or it made it more or easier to associate that
1: yeah i think that's definitely when my addictive tendencies started to flare up because i mean that's when i really started like hammering my body in the sense that i'd stay out for a long time or just consume a ridiculous amount of other things that sh- I shouldn't have been doing, basically. Like alcohol and coke.
0: And you made it out alive from um, South America, just about.
1: I did. And it's pretty, pretty mental. I even made it, this was completely by accident. I even made it through um, Colombian airport security with a gram of coke in my hand luggage.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. No, Girl. that's one of the things i was always really paranoid about like coming back from ibiza or wherever i went i always found coke but i was always checking everything because they do the swabs and then i was just yeah um, my i
1: mean like I, I honestly don't know how it happened but i guess maybe because of the facade i had in the airport you know like a a caucasian blonde girl they probably just didn't even bother to, you know, look at the scan of my bag when I actually went through the through the scanner. Um, but yeah, I was I was trying to get my phone charger out of my rucksack and then it kind of just fell out and I was like, holy shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's funny, you like you, you look back at moments like that and you think that could have probably gone really bad. I mean, you could have been arrested, potentially put in prison. Yeah. But when you're doing it, you don't think any differently because it's just what everyone does and you sort of laugh it off as a joke.
1: Also, something I'm beginning to realize as I kind of like grow from what happened last year is that, especially in South America, I just thought I was kind of invincible and like indestructible. And I, to be honest, I kind of thought like that until last summer because I'd go through loops of, being happy and then like having things in my life that that made me happy um boyfriends was quite a big thing for me because they I've only only had two but they both filled um voids that I had inside because of childhood trauma um and when one of those when that sorry when my most recent ex-boyfriend when that relationship broke down that's what Basically, sent me over the edge. And that's when my kind of fuck it mode, um, indestructible, that attitude just kind of collapsed.
0: I almost think like I, I remember waking up every morning and my response to everything was fuck it. And I think that was me sort of trying to kill myself, but not consciously saying it. Um, because once yeah. you start saying that, that's you going, I don't care what the fuck happens to me. Yeah. That is basically yeah, no. what fuck it means.
1: No, literally, I, I call it fuck it mode. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and I, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that because I think that is what... Oh, for sure. What that initial thing that sets off a chain reaction of just really negative things towards yourself. And then there's yeah. sometimes detrimental things because you say things you can't remember and piss people off, etc. Oh, um, God. So being the other side of it, I always see that if I'm having that fuck it moment, even if it's over a whole bar of chocolate, because I, I won't just have one square of chocolate, like I'm an addict. There, there's no way I'm ever just going to have one square of chocolate. Um, it's that fuck it moment. Then I'll, then I'll have a whole Ben and Jerry's or something. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But you just sort of grow into knowing when it's appropriate and when it's not. I think yeah. sometimes you need to let go and just say, Look, I'm just going to have a day off or, Um, but it's for health reasons in terms of having a day off from working uh, rather than saying I'm going to go out all Friday Saturday Sunday and probably ringing ill on Monday Tuesday
1: (laughs) yeah no I I know what you mean to be honest that's kind of how I approached today because I was so happy about speaking on this but then I got kind of I guess scared about just like actually speaking about myself just because sometimes I'm like oh I'm my story is not worthy of um, talking about. Like, I don't deserve to. Basically, just my like negative inner Impos- critic.
0: Imposter syndrome yeah. it sounds like.
1: Telling me to to shut the fuck up. Um, sorry, shut the front door. Um,
0: we 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 then... encourage swearing. Swearing's fine. Oh, you do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then this morning, I was just like, "No, fuck it. Don't fucking listen to your inner critic and just just do it. And just be."
0: yeah that's so, yeah. so it's a big point actually like even the inner critic i get from time to time so i'm starting my pt stuff from first of november and even my my mind's going you're not good enough why are you doing it i'm like i fucking need to do it otherwise i'm not going to earn any money <laughs> <laughs> my honestly
1: <laughs> my bloody inner critic doesn't take a fucking day off it's 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 crazy
0: yeah and it's it's, it's that mental health thing isn't it like you are good enough but it's really difficult to manage that yourself. I think that's like you said you you still see a therapist now.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah, I have um a lovely therapist who I see once a week. At the moment I'm having um therapy that's basically treating uh PTSD, but yeah, I mean we talk about everything under the sun. So yeah,
0: therapy is th- therapy's really good. Like I'm I had therapy pretty much every week for a year after I left rehab. Um and it's just that people don't know because people who don't think they've got an issue with anything until they actually go, you wouldn't necessarily go to a therapist unless you had a problem. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you went to a therapist and you were just okay, you can get a lot more done because you can start exploring stuff that you wouldn't necessarily question yourself on. Yeah. Um, so I actually it's think it's healthy.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you say that because that's also another reason i knew that if i left rehab i'd have to be sober because i knew that if i wasn't i'd either end up dead or back in rehab trying to detox does that make sense
0: yeah because i think you would just use that so easily to not have to feel the feelings for the things you'd exactly. be going through yeah but alcohol is the easiest most accessible drug you can get to forget about stuff
1: yeah no it's it sounds silly but i I chose to live and that's why i knew that i had to eliminate the things i had in my life before that could eventually kill me
0: yeah and to be honest it sounds exactly the same as my story um i was sort of sat there Mm -hmm. after another heavy new year's eve um and i
1: hate new year's
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the thing. Like, I just one New Year's too many broke me, and I was thinking, like, oh, do I kill myself or the love for mum and dad and everything they've brought me up through? I was like, no, you, you need to give this a proper shot. And because yeah. of that, I'm now living sort of, like I said, nothing's perfect, but I'm a lot happier. Um, yeah, and I'm doing things for myself, doing the jobs that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy how much can change in such a short time. So for you, yeah. like, what? What were the big differences you've seen in the year of being sober then?
1: Oh my God. Um, God, there's so many. I'm just trying to think of a couple. Um, I mean, for starters, I'm, I'm naturally just quite an anxious person for so many reasons, but for starters, the like level of anxiety in my body has decreased. I mean, huge amounts. There are still so many things I get anxious about, but the, having alcohol and drugs out of my life has just probably gotten rid of like a massive massive chunk of that which has just allowed me to i think actually experience what it feels like to be relaxed and to just feel calm um and happy with kind of doing nothing if that makes sense
0: yeah and, uh, and i guess even on the flip side being nervous and all the other things that you might drink for as well
1: yeah um god i definitely feel like my relationships with friends are more authentic um i feel like all the emotions i feel now like love and happiness and just things like that are so much stronger than they were before because i feel like sometimes not with my friends but just in certain situations when i wasn't sober you know your feelings and your emotions can get hindered by not being sober but by being sober everything i'm feeling i just i know it's authentic and that in itself is such a um such a nice feeling i read a book um called the unexpected joy of being Sober by Oh, I can't remember. Have you? Kath- have you no, so I've yeah. not read
0: any. But it's Catherine. Oh. Someone.
1: Yeah, and there's a there's a quote in it that says um, that being sober is the most exhilarating. It was basically saying that when you're sober, the emotions and the experiences you feel are inebriating because they're like so real. If that makes. Yeah, no, like that, that's
0: that's the hardest thing for me when I came out of rehab was being like a newborn baby again, experiencing <laughs> these new emotions for the first time without going to something. Yeah. So when I was younger, I would go to food, um, and then with age, it was alcohol and drugs. But then you're there, and the the hardest thing isn't being sober, really. It's the emotion dealing with the emotions.
1: Oh, for sure, that's a hundred percent.
0: Because like starting new jobs, going into new situations, um, I think the anxiety is masked to a certain extent through alcohol. But because going into new jobs and everything's centred around alcohol, like you then have to go through the thing of being sober in front of people as well. Oh my Um, God. And like with you, like how's university? Because you're, I don't know with COVID what the sort of...
1: My my uni has been online so far, so I haven't had to, you know, go into a new uni and actually be like in contact with people. But what I have had to learn how to do is to socialise, but just as myself with no alcohol involved. And I mean like it took me oh, so I came out of rehab uh the 10th of November last year and it took me oh, I think maybe four or five months to even like go to a maybe three four person group meeting somewhere at a pub or at someone's house just because the idea of having to like i just felt naked in a sense just because i knew that like say i was with a group of people and like i suddenly was like questioning myself, and my inner critic was getting loud and telling me that I don't know, I was a freak, and anything that came out of my mouth would be weird. Um, learning how to kind of sit with that and actually just converse without a crutch was really difficult. But someone said to me that it's like riding a bike, and the more you ride it, the better you get at it. And at first, I was like, Oh, that's such a chat, I'm never going to be able to do this. <laughs> um, but as time has gone on, it has gotten i wouldn't say easier but like it's more accessible so like now i can be in like group situations where i normally would use alcohol as a way to kind of get confident and be loud but i'm definitely more comfortable um with just social situations in general now and it's really nice because it means that there's no i don't have to worry about things i did or things i said from getting blackout drunk
0: and that's the thing. People just get used to you for being you all the time. Mm. Um, yeah. And you don't have that anxiety or guilt the next day of thinking, oh shit, what have I done? Um,
1: I know Oh, that I don't miss that at all. I mean, that in itself has been a huge weight lift off my shoulders because I mean, that was a concern I had to face at least like two, three times a week. And it's just, it's just the most horrible thing. Like, what have I done? Who have I spoken to? Where have I been? Like, countless oh god yeah it gives me the shivers even thinking about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i get facebook reminders and they are the worst for reminding oh. me because all my old photos i've only just had the first couple of sober photos stuff yeah through. and they're just horrible like the person i was i was writing all these things down and posting up these photos and i'm like god that's just making me anxious even reading my old stuff
1: that's really funny because i i had that with snapchat i got into a habit i say i mean it probably lasted for about four years where like any time alcohol or drugs was involved in what i was doing i'd always film stuff film myself i just film a lot of things and i had to delete snapchat because i'd always get reminders of like this time a year ago and then it would be a video of like me doing some fucking weird i don't even know but i had to get rid of it just because there were way too many snapchat memories that kept reminding me of this weird stuff i ended up
0: doing <laughs> horrible. thankfully snapchat was just a bit too uh yeah too young for me so i stayed away from that one <laughs> um but yeah anything else in terms of your sobriety then that you've noticed you mentioned emotional sort of regulation i guess is the word um yeah obviously not having that anxiety and guilt from doing things you don't remember.
1: Um, I've learned how to deal with pain in more constructive ways, which has meant that when I've felt like relief from pain or painful situations, it's actually been like long lasting improvement, if that makes sense, rather than like a, Quick fix in the sense that I didn't just decide to go let off steam and get really fucked up and then deal with stuff when that was over. That so
0: it's it's literally dealing with it.
1: Yeah, is what so, you're saying, dealing yeah. with it
0: there and then, so it doesn't compound and then yeah. it doesn't turn into an almighty explosion of um, pain. I guess that's when people really relapse hard.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's initially that's basically what happened to me before I went to rehab is just years and years of trauma and pain had caught up with me that I thought I could kind of just push under the rug and then like one traumatic event happened then something else happened and then yeah it just all kind of blew up in my face Um, and I had a lot of real problems because of it but now I can deal with things in the present rather than like pushing them away.
0: Yeah, because I I know from personal experience, things always keep coming back <laughs> unless, yeah. you, unless you actually deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess sobriety is, that's the raw element that people talk about is having to deal with painful situations um, yeah. where other people might just drink them away.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard. I, I can't deny that, but um, I know that I'm better off for doing it. So that that at the end of the day, gives me comfort because I know that it just it just gives me more life, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's strength of character as well because I think yeah. if you if you go through painful situations, the next time something comes up, you've been through something where you can draw motivation from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah. for me, going into rehab and being completely broke, spiritually, financially, emotionally, mentally. Um, is where I get my motivation. If I say to myself, I can't be bothered, I just quickly remind myself where I want to be going and where I was and then that's all the motivation I need to get out of bed and do a a. 6am gym session or something like that.
1: No, I'm the same because I I really went into into rehab with the attitude that my life was over and to be honest, I was pretty content on ending it until maybe a week before I came out when I actually was like, you know what, because of, not because of me, but because of my, my family and my friends, I am going to do this and choose life. And yeah.
0: And what beautiful decision it was as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's, mean, it's
1: been, it's been great so far.
0: That's the thing, it's strange, isn't it? I was about to say it's funny, but that's definitely not the appropriate word. But looking back at it, to being suicidal, to then sort of being here now, yeah. It just seems strange. Um, it is and-
1: strange. Because when, when I was younger, this, it's funny cause I've, I've spoken to people before that have had this, they've thought this too. When I was younger, I kind of just thought that by the age I was 19, I just, I wouldn't be here anymore. So when I got to that age and then was actually living, it was almost like a painful reality that I had to deal with that I didn't like because I didn't want to be here effectively so those years were really really difficult because I I just didn't think I'd be living them Does that makes sense
0: yeah it's, it's in the life coaching world it's it's changing when people come to us for life coaching we talk about realities so your emotions are attached to the reality that you believe. And obviously if you've had a really painful time, your reality is I don't want to be here. But then when you go to somewhere like rehab, well, it was for me personally, I'm not sure about you, but it changed my reality to one where there is hope. So I've I've gone from being completely centered on ending everything because I couldn't see any hope of my life getting any marginally better that I just thought, you know what, it was that fuck it moment. Um, but then luckily that didn't happen. And then went to rehab, then see all the addiction side of things and the hope of people that have got clean. Because I, I'd never seen that before because of the anonymous nature of everything. Mm. I, was comp- I never had an idea about anonymous groups, apart from what I might have seen on a few films um, where yeah. they paint a pretty bad picture of what they are actually like. Um, yeah. Because did did you go to? I remember you saying we've had a chat before. Did you go to the sort of addict? Did they have an addiction part to your rehab? Yeah.
1: So they they had meetings that um, I was kind of encouraged to attend afterwards, and I. It's so funny because every single week I said to myself, "I'm going to go because I need the support and I want to be there," but um. I'd always somehow talk myself out of going because the idea of, I was kind of almost scared of, scared of going. Um, and so I, yeah, it's, 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 it's not good. I, I should have gone, but I, I guess I just weren't you, ready at the time. Like,
0: it's, it's I wasn't nice.
1: ready at the time and I, I used other things as outlets, but now, I mean, it, it took a, it took a minute, but, um, now I'm feeling a lot more, Confident in myself, hence why I'm so much happier talking to others um, and helping others about similar things.
0: And it's it's a good is a good point to make because I think people get confident at different stages of their sobriety. Some like yeah. it, it took me two and a half years before, like I hadn't really spoken to anyone until May this year, and then suddenly I did one podcast for my mates' podcast, and then I can't fucking stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Typical addict.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a a good thing to be doing for sure.
0: Yeah. um, Sorry, my bookcase has just collapsed. So I was, uh, (laughs) yeah, I've sort of lost my track a bit. Um, But yeah, so did you, so what was the experience like at rehab? Because I I was sort of involved in the general ward. I I wasn't Mm -hmm. there for the general ward, but the general ward was mixed with the addiction programme.
1: Yeah, no, we had that too. Um, God, it was it was so crazy because i just had absolutely no idea i had no like preconceptions of what it was going to be like i just had no idea what i was walking into so i was pretty i was pretty scared and like i mean the the stuff you have to do so the the group therapy and like the workshops it's it's a lot because like you're expected to just i mean they obviously don't force you but like expect you to you know speak in a room where there are other people and like at first i even struggled talking about my own emotions um and like having like eight other people listen to you god it was it was hard at first and it took me maybe like two weeks to even like grasp the the concept of group therapy but once i stopped thinking about like the other people in the room and just tried to like be present in my own mind. It was a lot easier to kind of open up and get involved in the therapy side of it,
0: especially. Um, What was it like when you, when you opened up that first time in uh, group therapy? How how did you feel afterwards?
1: So for the first two weeks, I was so, I know this might sound quite bizarre. I was so happy that I'd, that I'd gotten to the, um, rehab because i was so happy that i knew i was finally getting the the help i needed so for the first two weeks i was really positive and proactive and i was going to all the therapy sessions all the meetings everything that was kind of on my timetable and i think i was kind of in this like overdrive overdrive mode where i wasn't actually I don't know how to explain it but I wasn't actually like engaging with the real work and I think I was just still kind of in shock of of being there so after two weeks I can't remember what triggered it but suddenly the pin dropped and I realized that like I don't think I'd cried once for, for the first two weeks I hadn't like basically done anything I'd just been in this like I guess, flight mode. I was trying to let everything go over my head and just, I wasn't getting very involved in much. And then after two weeks, I kind of broke down and was like, fuck, I haven't been like, I haven't been using any of these tools. I haven't been, you know, emotionally tapping into any of the sessions. And then I started letting this wall down, which was, it was, it was really hard, but I mean, letting the wall down gave me so much freedom because I could just finally you know talk about my issues and have not even people saying things out loud in terms of support but just like having groups of people around me to just listen and watch would just it was the nicest thing ever because I felt compassion in a way that I'd never felt before because the people I was sitting in a room with could actually feel my pain if that makes sense like they could empathize because a lot of them were feeling the exact same things, regardless of who you were, how old you are, everyone was feeling the same things. And that was honestly the nicest thing because it just meant there was like a, a sense of community that I've never ever felt anywhere before, like I did when I was there.
0: And, um, that, and that's, I think the biggest thing is understanding that other people have been in your shoes. Um, exactly for me that's how I got cleaned when I went to rehab because I kept listening so I went to cocaine anonymous alcoholics anonymous um, and it's similar people do like this thing where they talk about their background and Mm -hmm. this is why the podcast follows a similar pattern because they'll talk about their using days and talk about then getting clean and you just relate to the bits they're talking about and you're like oh actually and I think in, I started doing these at the beginning and I'd never said anything for about two months um, because you're taking in so much, but then you get the confidence from relating to what they're saying to then say something. And as soon as yeah. I said something, I was, I was probably at my best mentally ever when I was going to AA meetings. Cause I was having those regular sessions with people, random people. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really know anyone. Yeah. And that's the whole thing around group therapy. Like I was always anti it, but actually, it's probably one Same. of the most strongest things I've done um, for my own mental health. Even if you've not got any real issues, it's good just to talk to a random bunch of people yeah, who've who no, been in I a agree. similar situation as you.
1: Yeah, and I think I think now because I'm feeling so much more confident in my sobriety, this is why I'm I'm feeling like I can speak to other people and reach out and I would I would like to find a group and go to a group um it just I think it just took me a long time to get comfortable with the fact that I was a sober person
0: so what, what do you do in terms of so like actually let's talk about your friendship group mm-hmm. and then talk about what you sort of do for sober friends as it were I yes. guess so what, what what happened with your friendship group, obviously, when you've gone through everything, if, when now you don't go on the sesh? How, how's um, that dynamic play out?
1: My friends have been incredibly supportive. I mean, I say this to a lot of people, and I'm sure you can relate, that my friends are my family. Like, I consider so many of them um, like my siblings, and they were so, um, you know accepting and my friends have just been amazing and they have basically just kind of let me dictate like what i've wanted to do so if i if i go with them to something and then suddenly i don't feel comfortable and i have to leave you know someone will either offer to come with me or they're very considerate in that sense um it's kind of been a case of me just building on my confidence to do the same things with them um that I just did differently before like I've now started to go with them to to pubs and kind of group gatherings and I don't I normally don't stay for that long just because sometimes it can get a bit too much but I you know I have my my diet coke and um I smoke cigarettes quite a lot which is probably not great but I know it's um I could be doing worse things so that helps me a lot um but yeah i've just i've just substituted booze for fizzy drinks and i mean yeah they they've because i'm with them at these social things i always feel comfortable with them um so i'm really lucky in that sense
0: yeah and and that's a beautiful thing because i think um, i hear a lot of other stories where people just don't stick around once that commonality over alcohol and drugs isn't there, then they go. So for your friends still to be around is amazing.
1: Yeah. I am I honestly, like I can't, I forever will like feel grateful for them. It's what it's, that's something that genuinely keeps me going is knowing the, the incredible friends I have out there. Cause I mean, some of my close friends I've been at school with since I was, 11 so I have actually you know grown up with them um and yeah I'm just so so lucky that I have them and still have them in my life.
0: And then in terms of sober groups what Mm -hmm. what, what do you do or what do you know of in terms of finding more sober people?
1: Um well luckily I was friends with a girl who she has been sober for just over three years and last year when i was kind of in the midst of my breakdown <clears throat> i went oh god at the time i didn't want to go but i i wanted to go because i wanted to show my love and support for my best friend basically my best friend had 25 of us to her house in the south of france and um i mean i was in the midst of so much Shit, but I managed to get myself there anyway. But so basically my friend was there who we were good friends, but we weren't we didn't know each other that well at the time. But she could just it's funny because she told me this after and I didn't remember any of it. Um she could see how much pain mentally and physically I was in. And she I guess it's because she's gone through similar experiences. So she was really able to see the on like a deeper level, I just wasn't okay, and I needed, needed support. So she has been the most incredible um, influence for me. Um, we're really lucky because we live near each other, so I I see her a lot, I speak to her a lot, and she, I honestly look up to her as an older sibling in a way because she mirrors what I would like to be like in three years.
0: Um, So, so was she sober for similar reasons
1: um similar reasons um yeah she her issues were more with um with drugs but yeah similar similar reasons and um yeah she's just she's really really helped me she almost she almost she gives me hope because i i see her and i see this amazing girl that's three years plus sober and so yeah that instills hope in me
0: yeah and we all need it tom hardy's mine like if if gets if he gets made james bond that's it like (laughs) the world is changing like heineken zero instead of a normal beer and it'd be an alcohol free martini like that that would really rock shit up um,
1: it's crazy um so in the book i was reading uh the unexpected joy of being sober at the at the end Catherine lists maybe like 25 celebrities that are sober and I was just gobsmacked because so many are and like it's crazy that this battle with like addiction and mental health is something that so many people regardless of where you come from or who you are um, have issues with it and it's, yeah, there are so many people out there and it's just so great knowing that everyone can relate to each other and ultimately offer support
0: to each other. It's, it's so great that if Eminem, Elton John, Denzel Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Tom Hardy gave us a call, we would relate with them. That's it's
1: Eminem. It's Eminem sober? 12
0: years sober.
1: Oh See. <laughs> a Ew. lot of it, a, a lot
0: of his songs on his um, last album were all around sobriety and addiction so actually if you listen to it it might have a lot more meaning to it like I, I haven't listened to it just because I went off Eminem about 20 years ago I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> um no I definitely will give it a listen funny you bring up music because music has also been something that has I've always been into music but music this year especially God, it just, it allows me to feel certain things and there are certain artists that I have actually started listening to what they're saying and it's funny just because I guess I can relate to a lot of them.
0: Demi Lovato?
1: I actually, no, I don't listen to her music, but apparently... She's had
0: a few recovery-based ones because she's two years sober now.
1: Oh, Um, two years, wow. Yeah.
0: Um, It's funny, Like I follow sober celebs. And there's always ones that pop up and I'm like, really? God, I didn't yeah. see that happening.
1: <laughs> That's what I had with, um, with that book. And yeah, it was crazy. There was, there was this quote, um, quote in it, something that Frida Kahlo said, let me get this right. It was like, um, oh, I learned how to drown my sorrows, but then the little buggers learn how to swim. <laughs> I thought that summed me up absolutely perfectly. <laughs>
0: so true. <laughs> yeah brilliant so in in terms of um yeah i guess in terms of that then you you've have you explored any other sub, sober or do you feel like you've got enough in your life that um, you, you don't need it at the moment
1: i i definitely have them in my life i would like more something i used a lot in um well so basically i've in march when lockdown first happened i mean it was so annoying because i'm not joking the week lockdown got announced i found a group that i had finally got the confidence to go to but then lockdown happened so that obviously went out the window Um, and i spoke to someone from like the AA association on the phone and she was telling me about this it was basically this thing in new york where you could access a meeting regardless of what time it was. So you could just join the Zoom call and then you'd be put on some random meeting from like LA or North Carolina or whatever. And it could, you could honestly join at any, it ran 24 hours a day. Um, so throughout lockdown, if I was ever having a particularly weak moment or was finding that I really felt like I needed alcohol, I, I wouldn't speak on these meetings, but I would just, um, I guess, be a spectator in them, and i just listen to people talk.
0: And that's really uh, therapeutic. I think a lot of people think that they have to go to A and they have to talk. I didn't say anything pretty much for a, a year. I didn't say anything. I just went and I felt so much better for going.
1: Mm. I mean, I could say the same with the, with the Zoom meetings because even just listening to... It was mental listening to someone speak, but then also seeing that maybe like I don't know fifty other people were like on the the th- the meeting the zoom meeting at the same time, even that, oh yeah, it was a really nice feeling,
0: nice um and then, just in terms of what's next, i know you've is this your last year of uni
1: yeah, so I I should have graduated last year, but because of rehab, I decided to postpone my last year. And I actually ended up, so I was at Union Leeds and I did two years. I started my third year. I think I lasted for about two weeks. Went to rehab and then decided that Leeds was not for me for multiple reasons, but it was just, it. It was a place that traumatised me so heavily. I just knew that even if I attempted to study there again, it just it just, it just, wouldn't work. Um, so I transferred to a uni in London, which was really lucky because, I mean, who takes third-year transfers? Um, but, yeah, so I've just started that. So I've got a year left, and then I'm done.
0: Nice. What What is it you're studying? <laughs> um, history of art. Oh, nice. So you... Are you working at this, are you working at the same time as well?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, when, I'm just trying to think. So initially when I came out of rehab, I had a period of kind of just honestly sleeping a lot, watching a lot of TV and just laying low. And then I plucked up the courage to go back and work somewhere that I'd actually worked for a little bit that summer. Um, so I've actually ended up, I've stayed working there for over a year now. Um, and I love it. Uh, the people I work with, are unbelievable and the environment. The office is just amazing. Um, but I've been doing that. I've been working a lot this year and now because of uni's uni starting, I've like basically split my week in half. So I have uni for half of the week and then I have work for the other half of the week, Amazing, which works pretty nicely.
0: So you're definitely going to be busy this year. Yeah. <laughs> Very busy. <laughs> um oh brilliant I'm I'm gonna wrap it up there but thank you for coming on and sharing so openly I think that's really inspiring what you've gone through and what you still have to battle but it sounds like you've grown as a person you definitely sound confident in yourself as well which I think no 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 it's, it's, it's it's a good thing um because you can tell when people are comfortable in their own skin is basically yeah. what i'm saying and it does feel like you, you you've owned your past and you're willing to share it so openly with people we, we, which is, which is a big thing
1: yeah no it's just funny because i've i people say that to me sometimes and they're like oh but you come across um, so confident and inside i'm like ah, i'm not confident at all but um no it's nice to hear that it comes across like that for sure
0: yeah and I, I think there's, there's a difference like people used to say I was cocky that's because I was an egotistical twat but now <laughs> I'm just now, now I'm just comfortable with my own skin like don't get me wrong I get anxious about new situations and stuff yeah but I think once you understand that is always going to be like that then it's a lot yeah. easier to deal with but no, it's been, been re- really nice chatting um and yeah I yeah. know
1: it was lovely to talk
0: Brilliant. So we will catch up at some point soon, but that wraps up the episode. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I'd love to. Um, No worries. We'll have a nice rest of your day and we can chat soon.
0: Cheers.